0: Section fifty-one of the inheritance by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Volume two, chapter seventeen. What man so wise, so earthly wit, so ware, as to descry the crafty, cunning train, by which deceit doth mask and visor fair? and cast her colours dyed deep in grain to seem like truth whose shape she well can feign fairy queen no sooner had mr lindsay seen miss st clair safe within the castle walls than he instantly retraced his steps with the intention of returning to the summer-house for the purpose of extricating her if possible from the mysterious thraldom in which she seemed to be held by this person at the midnight rencontre in the wood he had asserted a right over her which although she herself had disclaimed with almost frantic wildness her mother had tacitly acknowledged by not directly denying in the short conversation he had held with mrs st clair subsequent to that meeting she had with tears implored his silence his secrecy his forbearance and in broken and indirect terms had given him to understand that this person had been engaged with her husband in certain money transactions which out of regard to his memory she was desirous of keeping concealed and it was upon this ground he had asserted a claim upon miss st clair's fortune which he had unwarrantably extended to her hand this mangled and absurd account could not impose upon lindsay but at that time he was almost a stranger to mrs st clair and did not conceive himself authorized to interfere in her concerns he therefore contented himself with mildly admonishing her on the impropriety of such clandestine meetings and recommending to her to lay this person's claims before lord rossville as the proper protector of his brother's memory and his niece's interest in the meantime he yielded to mrs st clair's entreaties and gave her his promise not to divulge what had passed upon her solemn assurance that the affair was in the way of being amicably adjusted and that she had taken effectual means of ridding herself for ever of this person's importunity this promise it now appeared had not been kept again miss st clair had been exposed to fresh insult in his presence and he now thought himself entitled to interpose with this purpose he walked quickly back and had almost reached the summer-house when he was met by mrs st clair her countenance was agitated and traces of tears were visible in her eyes she did not however now seem to shun him for she stopped and extended her hand to him saying you are the very person i most wish to see give me your arm and let us return together i have much to say to you but there is a person there to whom i also have much to say and i cannot have the honour of attending you till i have first spoken with him and he was passing on when mrs st Clair caught his arm i know whom you seek but spare yourself the trouble he is gone where which way eagerly demanded he but i must ascertain that myself and he ran with all his speed to the summer-house but it was deserted and though he looked long and keenly in all directions not a trace of any one was to be seen he was therefore obliged to retrace his steps and soon overtook mrs st clair you would not give credit to me then said she in a tone of reproach i shall give credit to you now answered he if you will tell me where i am likely to find the person i left here half an hour ago i cannot tell and if i could perhaps i would not no good could possibly result from your meeting your wish i know is to befriend my daughter and myself and be assured i am far from insensible of the value of such a friend but come with me i've much to say to you much to confide to you of my dearest gertrude mrs st clair's hyperbolical jargon was always offensive to mr lindsay's good taste and right feeling but there was something absolutely revolting in it at this time there was something so strained and unnatural in it such a flimsy attempt at thus seeming to court explanation that he felt armed against the duplicity he was aware would be practised upon him at another time i shall be ready to listen to anything which concerns miss st clair said he coldly but at present i wish to put a few questions to the person pardon me but i know all you would say my dear mr lindsay and you must allow me to anticipate those questions by the confidential communication i am now about to make to you on your honour on your secrecy i know i may place the most unbounded reliance therefore require no assurances to satisfy me i certainly can give none until i know how far secrecy may be compatible with honour mrs st clair affected not to hear this implied doubt but went on you have now had opportunities of becoming acquainted with my daughter of forming your own opinion of her character of pardon a mother's vanity of appreciating her charms and her graces but you know not none but a mother can know the treasures of her heart and mind mrs st clair paused and sighed and mr lindsay was too much surprised at such an opening to make any reply judge then at my grief and anguish at finding this gifted being this idol of my affections ensnared by the artifices of one every way unworthy of her has been led to bestow her regards pardon me cried lindsay but i can have no possible right to be made the depository of miss st clair's sentiments by any but herself i must be excused from listening to anything more on that subject i simply wish to know where i am likely to find the person who has twice in my presence dared to insult her yet it is only by hearing me patiently and suffering me to take my own way in divulging the circumstances of the case as i think best that i can possibly make you acquainted with them either my lips must be sealed as to the whole or you must listen to the whole without interruption i am mistaken if i tell you anything new when i allude to my daughter's misplaced partiality still more mistaken if her future happiness is a matter of indifference to you lindsay made no answer he felt that mrs st clair was weaving a web around him but he could not bring himself to burst from its folds and he suffered her to proceed i will not attempt to paint to you the anguish of my heart at discovering that the innocent affections of my unsuspecting child had been thus artfully and insidiously worked upon by colonel delmore i know him and you know him to be a selfish mercenary unprincipled man as incapable of appreciating such a being as gertrude as she would have been of bestowing her affections on a character such as his had not her imagination been dazzled and misled but alas at seventeen where is our judgment and discrimination yet at seven-and-twenty they will come too late then long before then if she becomes the wife of colonel delmore she will be the most wretched of women formed to find her happiness solely in the being she loves noble generous upright sincere herself what will be her feelings when the mask drops as drop it will from this idol of her fancy and she beholds him in his native deformity no sooner than see her the wife of colonel delmore i take heaven to witness i would rather look upon her in her coffin inflated as all this was still there was much of truth and right feeling in it and he insensibly forgot his suspicions and listened with profound attention yet i dare not express to lord rossville all that i feel for neither can i accede to his views for the disposal of my daughter gertrude has too much taste in feeling too much heart and soul to be sacrificed to family pride and political influence in fact as far as regards her happiness there is but a choice of evils in these brothers but there is one she stopped and hesitated there is one to whom i would with pride and pleasure have confided my dearest treasure in the certainty that as her judgment matured so her love and esteem would increase towards that one why should i conceal from you my wish mrs st clair made a full stop and looked at mr lindsay in a manner he could not misunderstand this was something he had not anticipated it went far beyond what he had calculated upon and he was thrown off his guard his features betrayed his emotion although he remained silent there was a long pause at length mrs st clair resumed the time will come when the veil will fall from my daughter's eyes as her judgment ripens her imagination will decline already i can perceive the work is begun and time is all that is wanting to finish it but if as may happen she is hurried into a clandestine engagement my hopes her happiness will be for ever blasted on the other hand if by any sacrifice any stratagem i can save her can you blame me for the attempt however wild or desperate it may appear i certainly could not blame a sacrifice however vain it might prove said lindsay but i must always disapprove of stratagems even when successful both together seem to me incompatible for a moment mrs st clair was thrown into confusion by this remark but quickly rallying she replied yet the one may prove the consequence of the other in my case i fear it has and that in using what i conceived an allowable stratagem to save my daughter i have sacrificed what i value next the good opinion and esteem of mr lindsay it rests with yourself to remove any unfavourable impression i may have received a few words will suffice i feel that you will blame me that you will condemn the step i have taken said mrs st clair in evident embarrassment it must appear to you strange unworthy unnatural but you know not the difficulties of my situation gertrude rash and ungovernable lord rossville inflexible and exacting if she marries colonel delmore her fortune and her happiness are both alike blasted to save her from that at least to gain time can you altogether condemn me if i have taken advantage of this person's unwarranted claim upon her fortune to induce a belief in her mind that that claim does in reality extend to her hand and that-but oh heavens exclaimed she as they suddenly came in sight of the castle it must be very late lights in the drawing-room and company assembled if i am missed to-morrow we shall resume this subject meantime I must fly, and she would have withdrawn her arm from Mr. Lindsay's, but he detained her. No, said he, before we part, promise me solemnly that you will lay open to me the whole of this dark transaction. Strange thoughts have taken possession of my mind. I will no longer connive at this mystery. It was too dark to see the working of Mrs. St. Clair's features, but he felt the hand he held tremble in his grasp to-morrow then to-morrow dear mr lindsay i promise to satisfy you more fully said she in a voice faint from agitation till then be silent i conjure you for gertrude's sake be silent oh do not detain me there is the warning bell and she darted forwards and ran till she reached the door then turning round she pressed lindsay's hand and in breathless accents whispered for gertrude's sake then you will be silent till to-morrow you promise me this till to-morrow then be it said he mrs st clair again pressed his hand in token of gratitude then entered softly and stole upstairs to change her dress while mr lindsay as he walked openly and deliberately to his apartment thought she has got the better of me i fear after all but to-morrow will show end of section fifty one